Well, uh, we're entering the Freedom Week uh, of India, right? Uh, and, and if there's one thing that we keep asking ourselves uh, year after year, uh, I still remember this, this question started in school. Every time around Independence Day, there would be debates with the question, with just one question. Are we really free? Right? Are we really free? We keep asking ourselves that. And more often than not, the conclusion we come to is no, we are not like not uh, as free as our hearts desire to be. And, and uh, we might or might not be uh, enslaved to external forces that, that are oppressing us and enslaving us in formalized slavery in that sense. But if we look at our lives, we definitely don't experience the freedom that our hearts desire. We don't experience true freedom. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. True freedom. Um, my, my goal in this sermon is to help us see how Jesus promises to offer us true freedom. And not just that. My goal is to help our hearts today experience that true freedom uh, that Jesus speaks about and offers to us. The passage, the Bible passage that we'll be looking at is uh, from a book called John. Uh, John is, is one of the gospel writers. He accounts the, the birth, life, uh, death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Um, and we're going to be looking at the eighth chapter. Um, we're going to be uh, scrolling through the whole chapter, but the passage for today is specifically verses 30 to 36. Uh, allow me to set some context before I read the chapter. The context is Jesus right now is in Jerusalem. He's at the temple, the only temple that Israel had where people came to worship the God of the Bible. And it was one of these festivals where everyone all over Israel would travel to Jerusalem, meet at the temple and celebrate a festival, right? During this time, Jesus was uh, speaking and teaching at the temple every day. And he had varied responses to his teaching, starting from people who said, hey, I want to believe in this man. I want to believe in him. Uh, to people who thought, hey, this guy is demon possessed. Like, what is he even saying? This is, I mean, this is preposterous. He's standing in our temple and he's saying that he is God, right? And it also went to people wanting to kill him. They, they, were, they hated him so much. The only option they had in their mind, let's just kill him and just get done with him, right? We see that happening in this very chapter. In the beginning, they try to trap Jesus by bringing a woman who is caught in the act of adultery and then uh, bring to him for justice and, and, ex- and want to extract a response from him that would, that would enrage the crowd and lead to his death. But Jesus, again, miraculously gives them an answer and, and, uh, and that situation is avoided. And we look deeper into that situation later in the sermon. But the point is Jesus powers through all of this to a point where people started, some people wanted to believe in him. And that is where we find the passage um, for today, I requested Joshua to read the chat, the, the passage out for us. Josh, ask me. As he was saying these things, 
many believed in him so jesus said to the jews who had believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples you will know the truth and the truth will set you free they answered him we are the offspring of abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone how is it that you say you will become free jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed john 8 30 to 36 here ends the reading of the word thanks josh we see that shortly after this these very people who believed start want to stone jesus because they were enraged by this response right so here is uh, the framework and just before going to the framework allow me to just pray and uh, allow our hearts to submit to this powerful portion of scripture that we just read holy spirit this morning we are here uh, thank you for uh, giving us a taste of what being freed by jesus is during the time of worship our hearts were freed to to look at jesus and and to truly worship him and and bow and surrender to him would you continue your work even through your word would you speak to us lord i don't know where each of us are uh, i don't know what is enslaving and and restricting our hearts from worshiping you this morning holy spirit you know and i rest in the fact that you know and you will do your work to free our hearts this morning in your name we pray jesus amen man here's the framework for the talk this morning we're going to be looking at three things the path to true freedom that jesus talks about um the second thing is the truth about our slavery and the third thing is the truth about our freedom the path to true freedom the truth about our slavery and the truth about our freedom let's dive straight in the path to true freedom jesus puts it very clearly in this verse so jesus said to the jews who believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free now jesus is inviting these people who already believed in him into a deeper experience of freedom and what does the path look like it's it's simple abide in my word know the truth and be set free abide in my word know the truth and be set free right let's break this down when jesus says my word what does it mean notice that he is not saying my words plural but he's saying my word when he says my word it is a sum total of all that jesus said and preached and and revealed to us about himself the whole bible is about him jesus said that the entire old testament is about me the new testament tells us about his life and 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 the whole part after he goes away is an explanation and exposition of who he is so when jesus says my word john tells us that he is the word that came to live and dwell among us So when he says abide in my word Jesus is simply saying abide in me right we'll move on to the next word what does abide mean 
uh, abide is is not a, a common word in our present day english like we don't use it every day the uh, word abide just plainly means to remain not just move on to remain this is what jesus is inviting these people to do these people who believed up until this point jesus talks about sin in this chapter and he says that they should believe in him and apart from him they will die in their sin we see that in the previous verses and they believed but let's see what happens when jesus invites them deeper to abide and remain in what he just said how does he do that he does that by saying hey you are enslaved to your sin you need a savior you need freedom and at these these people they were shocked they were like how can you say we, we've never been enslaved to anyone up until this point the truth of sin was in their mind but it didn't go deeper into their hearts to see that they were sinners and this is what abiding in 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 god's word in jesus's word does to us a good sign of abiding in god's word is when the truth that we hear wrestles with the sinfulness of our hearts it makes us feel uncomfortable it it made the jews in this chapter feel uncomfortable they it they they were they felt attacked it attacked their sin and notice these are people who believed in the words of jesus we do believe in the words of jesus right but are we dwelling long enough for jesus truth to attack our sin because when we when we let him do that that is where he frees our hearts see abiding in the word lets the truth that captures our minds become cathartic to our hearts friends i i just want to ask us this question today are we really abiding now abiding is really also important because for jesus believing meant abiding it wasn't just for a chosen few who wanted to uh, take spirituality even more seriously and and spend more time with him no for jesus believing meant abiding as believers every one of us are called to abide in him how do we see ourselves today if you are in a place of thinking i believe in jesus but i don't think i really abide in him then my question is do we really believe in jesus for jesus believing meant abiding you know we really want to take this abiding very seriously at new city we we've received a lot of gospel good gospel teaching and and these breakout rooms that we do post the sermons these uh, gospel huddles that we do on wednesdays are meant for that are meant for each of us to abide in god's word abide in the gospel truth that we that we richly receive hey i know my heart is a very distracted heart 
when i hear the sermon on sunday i'm wowed by it i'm like wow and and the moment i see my biryani for lunch on sunday that truth is out of my head right i'm not remaining in that i'm not focusing on it i'm not i'm not letting jesus bring that truth from my head to my heart and make it cathartic to my soul friends would you make a call to abide and not just as a community there's so much there's only so much time we can spend as a community together do we have our own personal individual abiding rhythms where we just marinate in the truths that god gives and the god speaks over our lives let's put abiding back in the path that jesus gives when we abide he says we will know the truth when we abide he says we will know the truth what is the truth that jesus is talking about the first thing he reveals to the jews is the truth about their slavery the truth about their slavery let's let's look at what jesus says he says they answered to him we are offspring of abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone how is it that you say that we will be free that you you will become free then jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin let's look at these words we have never been enslaved to anyone don't we just hate being called slaves especially in our culture today we we hey i am not a slave absolutely not the jews hated being called slaves their pride didn't just allow them to see themselves as slaves and what did jesus say they were slaves to sin their sin and oh boy that really didn't sit well for these jews you see these jews in jesus day especially the ones he was talking to in the temple they came knowing and feeling that they were sorted when it came to morality these were abraham's descendants they got their law the law that they stick to straight from god and they believed that this law of god they perfected it but what they ended up doing was they just perfected their interpretation of the law the way they understood it they felt they were good law abiding followers of god where the law was designed to show their sinfulness and the need for their savior it ended up being the basis on which they built their own tailor made morality and totally eliminated their need for a savior friends as christians very often it is not our sin in double quotes that keeps us from jesus but it's our morality that keeps us from him because we we are satisfied by our our own morality our own moral standards we don't really see the need for jesus you see these jews these religious jews were enslaved to their sin because they were blinded by their own morality 
this concept of being slaves to our sin is is not new to us we do recognize the power of sin in this broken world that we live in right but maybe just maybe we are defining sin based on the morality that we have built for ourselves and not how god defines it now don't get me wrong even our tailor made morality takes its basis from the word of god itself it springs from that and much like the jews we have applied it to fit our own preferences how do we do that how do we build our own morality here's how it works the moral ground what is it that really makes us feel good about ourselves what is it that really blinds us to our own sinfulness what is the moral ground that we stand on to sometimes even excuse our own sinfulness when we see it i have to be really honest here sometimes the thing that really makes me feel good about myself is the fact that i've spent the last 5 years of my life in ministry the last 5 years of my life serving god's church and and when i think about it it becomes really hard to look at myself as a sinner it blinds me to my own sinfulness i feel like i have built a really strong moral ground to stand upon to a point where it feels like i deserve to be forgiven or excused for anything that i do he okay, i've i've served god's church the last 5 years friends even even hearing myself say it today makes me cringe on the inside but that's true that's how wretched a sinner i am and and this is this often blinds me to my own sinfulness how is our morality blinding us to our own sinfulness today is the fact that we are actively serving at new city uh, we we serve not, uh, not just on sundays but we help out on on wednesdays for the gospel huddle uh, and and the fact that we are regular we we show up for everything is that making us feel good about ourselves is that what is making it hard for us to identify as sinners in desperate need of jesus today just as the jews thought their animal sacrifices in the temple were enough for their sins in the world sometimes it feels like we excuse our sinfulness in the world with the sacrifices we make at church what if we are excusing our unhealthy obsession with work based on our faithful service in church probably on the weekend it makes us feel like our service in the church just being regular to church has earned us the right to prioritize our work over jesus through the week jesus seldom becomes our priority in the week right i mean let's be honest 
even with me being in ministry that happens i got i get caught up with my work in the church and here's the worst part we don't even feel that bad about it because we are already doing as much as we can already how about in our finances what if we are excusing our bad stewardship of the rest of the 90% of our income because we have tithed the first 10% to god do we ever feel convicted of doing this making jesus a priority over the rest of the 90% because we have given the first 10% hey i'm i'm cool I, from here i'm good this is my money you see how in very subtle ways we build our own versions of morality that keeps us from running to jesus as our savior we remain slaves to our sin this is all the more reason why we ought to abide in jesus because he reveals the truth about our slavery he reveals the truth of the slavery to our sinfulness which we are often blinded by because of our morality see friends only when we see the truth of our slavery can we really begin to enjoy the truth of our freedom and jesus today is inviting us to this freedom you see the verse 36 says if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed friends good news is the sun wants to set us free that's the good news today he wants to set us free and only he can the word indeed tells us that there are many things that promise to give us this freedom it's not just jesus that is making this promise there are many things that promise to make this give us this freedom but the freedom that jesus gives is the only one that frees us indeed how does he do that how does he do that you see in this chapter we look at two kinds of people we're looking at two kinds of people first are these self righteous jews who came to jesus with their own morality they stood on their own morality and on that foundation they came to jesus and we've we've seen that till now so even though they began with belief in him they end up rejecting him and throwing stones at him because they felt their own morality was good enough that's the first kind of people we see the second we see is right in the beginning of the chapter the woman who was caught red-handed in the act of adultery she was brought to jesus you see her sinfulness was no secret here she absolutely had no moral ground to stand upon 
her secret sinful life is now out in the open and and in and in public spectacle open for public ridicule and shame people were even ready with stones to stone her in that place picture this friends this was not just out in the marketplace this was in the temple where everyone felt they were good enough to be there they their morality made them feel good and looked down upon everyone else she was out there on the floor while jesus was teaching these religious people it's beautiful how jesus responds to this person who came with her morality stripped away from her he says let the first person who thinks they are without sin let them be the first one to throw a stone at her and in that moment everyone who stood there holding stones were convicted in their hearts and leave that place and the only man who was worthy to throw a stone at her he says neither do i condemn you go from now on sin no more neither do i condemn you jesus the son of god was the only one worthy to throw a stone at her set her free instead he set her free instead he could do that because he took her punishment he was publicly mocked and ridiculed he was slapped he was spat upon in her place and friends we deserve to be in that place we deserve to be in that place but jesus took that place on her behalf and on our behalf and what do we see as a result it was an adulterous woman who walked away free and not the moralistic religious jews she walked away free and not them and in sending her free jesus frees her to live a truly beautiful life that he has for her in saying go and sin no more this is real freedom friends that jesus is offering to us how are we coming to jesus today are we coming like these jews coming thinking hey i i i'm good enough i think i've done enough i'm doing all these things i'm serving at the church i'm giving regularly uh and and i'm here because it, i i can come here it is my privilege i've earned it like the jews or are we coming to jesus absolutely stripped of any morality that we think we have built by our good deeds and saying jesus i have nowhere to go only you can free me i stand on no moral ground except for the righteousness that you are offering to me today friends i know it is very hard for us to do this i know that right after this our hearts will be tempted to find our own moral 
our own moral ground based on the good things that we do, based on our own strengths. It's very easy for us to, to, uh, to keep Jesus at bay and go on doing our own thing and finding freedom in, in our own ways, based on our own good deeds. But this morning, would you make a prayer? We cannot do this by ourselves. And the prayer that I'm going to share today is, is from my favorite hymn. It's from my favorite hymn, Come the Fount of Every Blessing. And, and in the third verse, this hymn writer truly understands what it means to be freed by Jesus. He says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. This hymn writer is asking Jesus, Jesus, Bind me, take me captive. That's the only way I'll be free. That's the only free, that's the only way I won't wander away from you and, and, and leave you. Bind my wandering heart to thee. See, friends, true freedom is in being taken captive by Christ. True freedom is being taken captive by Christ. He gives us the grace to abide with him. We can't do it by ourselves. He gives us the grace to abide with him when he takes us captive. That's the only cure for our slavery to sin. When our thoughts, our actions, our desires are sealed by him for him. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, would you, would you take us into your fold, Lord Jesus? Lord, everything that makes me feel good about myself, everything that, that makes me reject Jesus and not enjoy him as my savior, I, I, I lay at your feet, Lord. We lay at your feet. Take us captive. Lead us into the path of true freedom. Let us not run away from you into chasing it in the world. Take us captive and help us experience true freedom today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.